0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Judy Klitzner on Parashat Noach. This podcast is sponsored by Pardes Year Program alumnus Jason Gustorf and family in celebration of his new album, After the Seventh, inspired by his time at Pardes. After the Seventh will be available on Spotify, Apple Music, and and at Com on November 5th, 2021. Stay tuned after this episode to hear a brief message from Jason. And now, here is Judy Klitzner.
1: I've always been fascinated by Noach. It's certainly a complex character who starts out as an ish tamim. An ish tzadik tamim, a, 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 a purely righteous man um, and ends a person. the same person ends up drinking himself into oblivion, exposing himself in its, inside of his tent, humiliating himself in front of his own children. Uh, really a very, very sad and unfortunate story. Um, how do we understand this character? So one possible direction, one that was made famous by the Midrash um, and in its wake by Rashi, is to view the figure of Noah as a relative failure, Um, relative especially to the prophet who comes precisely ten generations after him, um, Avraham. So to understand this viewpoint better, I think what we need to do is back up, start not in Parshat Noach, but the the previous week's Parshat, the end of Parshat Bereshit, um, where Noach's birth is recorded. And if you look at source number one, those of you who have access to the sources that I sent out, we're looking at source number one in the fifth chapter of Bereshit, where Lemech, Noach's father, um, at the birth of Noach, makes this makes this proclamation. He calls him Noach, names him Noach, saying, "Ze this one will comfort us, mima asenu umi from our work and from the pain of our hands, Minha asher Hashem, out of the soil, the, the ground which the Lord has cursed." Right, so we have the curse, we have this, the pain and sadness, and we have the hope that Noah somehow is going to bring comfort. Um, the root of of the of the name Noah is Nun Vav Chet, which actually isn't the same as comfort. Comfort, the root is Nun uh, Chet Mem, Lenachem. Noah comes from the root Lanuach, actually to rest, respite, some sort of temporary rest. Uh, it seems that Lemech is, the, is giving uh, a, a name that seems to state one thing, but there's something aspirational about the about the the, the text that goes with it. It's much more ambitious. Um, the hope is that Noah is going to bring comfort, nechama, uh, to all of humanity, and maybe maybe even help reverse the negative end that was met by Adam, his predecessor. And in fact, Lemech's speech recalls God's words to Adam after, um, in the garden, after Adam ate from the forbidden fruit. And if you look at source number two, you'll see how similar it is. Ula Adam Amar, God says to Adam after eating from the fruit. Kishamata le kolishtecha, because you heeded your wife's voice, you ate from the forbidden tree. Arura haadamah ba'avurecha. Here's that same word, curse. Cursed is the is the soil for you. Beitzavon, and here's that same word again as well. Beitzavon, in pain. Or this uh, translator has painstaking labor. Shall you eat from it all the days of your life? Um, <clears throat> he, it, I think when we do, put when we draw these two statements together. I think what we see is that Lemech is expressing the hope that Noah's birth can somehow contribute to a reversal of those unfortunate consequences, that in some sense he's hoping that this this child, this Noah will be a kind of new Adam who will bring comfort from the itzavon, from the sadness and the pain that was brought on by the disobedience of the original Adam. But sadly, as we know, Lemech's hopes are not met, and instead of bringing nechama, comfort, Noach, in his lifetime, is going to bring no more than what the strict etymology of his name suggests, la-noach. It's a limited, limited, temporary rest, and even that is for himself and his immediate family only. And if you look on the page at source number three, you'll see that the, the text in, in, indulges in a kind of wordplay, anagrams, the Noach matzah chen, chen, is the reverse of Noach, beene Hashem. Um, that there's there's hope that somehow his merits or his his presence will will bring comfort to everyone, and in fact, it it, it he, what he'll succeed to, in doing, is um, is only uh, finding personal chen in God's eyes, uh, saving himself and his immediate family. After Noah's birth, humanity as a whole certainly does not find comfort, it does not turn itself around, and instead the world continues to escalate in evil until it reaches the point in source number five, uh, sorry, source number four, ki um, right, humanity's evil is great, libo um, rak every form of their heart's planning was only evil all the day. Um, These words are especially chilling when compared to Bereshit, the beginning creation, everything is Ki Tov, everything is good. At the end of creation it's even Tov Me'od, it's very good. Um, When humanity uh, uh, defies God's command and they eat from the tree of Tov Vara, that's the beginning of a more complex state, mitigating Tov with Ra. And now we have an entire generation that seems to be plunging into a state of rak-ra, only evil, if we can imagine such a thing. Um, And God's response to this in source number five, and here again these words should be very familiar, Again, here's another ironic response, this time to Lemech's hopeful uh, proclamation at the birth of his son Noach. Uh, where he had said, "I hope this one will will comfort us from our itzavon," and now instead of comfort, we have the same root nun chet mem, meaning almost the opposite, um, which is remorse, regret humanity is so irredeemably evil it seems that it's it, that god only regrets having created them at all and now the etzev the pain is now going moving beyond humanity and all the way to god god is feeling pain and as a result god says that's it the world has to be destroyed okay so events that surround noah's birth seem to foreshadow a role um, that noah is going to play in his story as a whole uh, even despite the hopes He's not going to save the world. He's not going to turn it around. He will bring a temporary respite, a kind of holding pattern of human presence on Earth while the world is destroyed and then when the, when the world is renewed. Um, and again, his personal chen, his, his the favor that he will find, will be enough to ensure his personal survival, but not the survival of others. Okay, Um, so from the record of Noah's birth, it seems he's destined to be not quite great, but maybe good enough, if I could paraphrase the great child psychotherapist, Winnicott, who spoke of the good enough mother. Um, It seems that Noah is a good enough prophet uh, and a good enough biblical hero. Um, But to further explore this character, I think we need to finally get to Parashat Noah, right, The, the parasha that bears his name, and this is source number six. Famous verse: Noach, Noach tamim eta et ha Noach. This is the line of Noach. Noach was a righteous man; he was blameless in his generations. Noach walked with God. Okay, it seems like he's. This is quite a testimonial to Noach, but Rashi is very hard to please. And on this, Rashi says, "We'll just look at the at the English here. It's on the second page of your sources. There are those among our rabbis who interpret this as praise. Really, only some." And there are those who interpret this as an insult. In his generation, he was righteous, but had he been in the generation of Abraham, he would have been considered as nothing. Um, so in Rashi's view, despite this, this very remarkable testimonial to Noah's character, everything hinges on this qualifier, Bidorotav in his generations, which comes to limit his righteousness. And this is where Rashi invites us to contrast Noah with Abraham. And the contrast, I think, is, is pretty evident, where both of these prophets are going to be faced with a mass destruction of a sinful population. In in Abraham's case, it's the cities of Sodom and Amorah. In Noah's case, it's the world as a whole. But the, the contrast is quite striking. When God tells, in source number seven, when God um, gives Noah advance warning of the imminent destruction of the world, ki li'amim od shiva enochim mam'tira Aret. These really frightening images, I will obliterate all of existence. Noach's response is absolute, unquestioning um, uh, obedience. He does precisely as God has commanded. Now we think that that is certainly good enough. He is God's obedient servant. However, when we compare this with Avraham, who was also given a forewarning of a massive destruction, we note the repetition of this wonderful word, ulai, perhaps, uh, which appears no fewer than six times in this passage, where Avraham calls on God, right? Basically saying, God, how about using some imagination here? Maybe things are not quite as they appear. Maybe there are some hidden sadiqim. Maybe the merits of some can be applied to others. And this word tzaddik that recurs over and over again in the story of Abraham um, is reminiscent of Noach ish tzaddik. He is a tzaddik in the classic sense of the word, um, meaning things are, right, it should be just and true. Um, In in this system, uh, Noach perhaps looks around and says, I deserve to live. These people who have made terrible choices don't. So Noah silently accepts the equation that people accumulate their own merits, their own demerits, and everyone receives the fate that he or she deserves, whereas Afraham, it seems, is speaking an entirely different language. When he talks about Sadiqim, he's saying maybe that maybe things are not quite so clear. Maybe they're not the way that they appear. Maybe people have potential that they haven't quite exhibited yet. Maybe, God, you need to look a little harder. Maybe you need to broaden your, your categories a little bit. Um, and, and in this, I think Avraham models a kind of unrelenting effort on behalf of others, looking, and he does seem to be looking to bring nechama, not just respite, but true comfort, not just for himself and his loved ones, but for the world at large. And and beyond this, I think in a very radical way, he, he almost redefines the very term tzedek. Um, and, and that, uh, if we look in source number nine, the term tzedakah, tzedek, Was introduced by God when God um, has a little inner deliberation before destroying the cities and says I better tell Abraham what I'm going to do because after all I have singled him out that he will command his children and his posterity after him so they will keep the way of the Lord meaning right God chose Abraham to do what is just and right But almost immediately, Avraham takes this word, tzedakah, and turns it on its head, and turns it, even in a a quite uh, remarkable way, turns it on God. Basically saying to God, you want tzedakah? You want tzedek? Well, where's your tzedek? Where's your tzedakah u Mishpat? In source number 10 are you not going to differentiate between different kinds of people um is will the judge of the earth not do justice now it's 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 almost almost uh shocking when we think about it Um, that what Avraham is doing in an almost imperceptible way is redefining the words tzedakah or mishpat to mean not strict justice, as Noach meant it, but almost its opposite, chesed, generosity, a sense of responsibility on the part of some toward others who might be less worthy or less capable. Uh, and in fact, I think Avram puts his own relationship with God on the line over and over again in this in this discussion to go to bat for the wicked people of Sodom, asking God to use the merits of some, including himself, in order to save others. Um, okay, uh, the great difference between Noach, who practices a limited, strict form of tzedakah, and Avraham, who pleads for chesed, reminded me of a, a biography that I just finished reading of the truly remarkable woman Emma Lazarus, um, and I learned a lot from this biography, but among other things, I learned that with her sonnet, which is called The New Colossus, which till today sits on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty, she also engaged in a kind of radical redefinition um, that to me was a rem- reminiscent of Avraham and Sodom. Um, it, It turns out that the original intent of the Statue of Liberty by the French who donated it was to symbolize the power, the raw power of liberty in the world, that the power of liberty is stronger than the power of the royalists. But with her poem, Emma Lazarus decided to transform the message from one of power to the language of loving kindness, of chesed, that calls out to enlightened nations to support and protect the needy, even if those needy are unworthy, right? And this famous words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, right? the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Right? This is a poem that is all about chesed. It's more in line with Avraham and Sodom. It contrasts strongly with Noah's clinging to his traditional, the traditional meaning of tzedek, that which is just, strictly just, um, so it seems, and I think with the help of Lazarus, that when we follow Rashi's lead in comparing Noach to Avraham, it seems that Noach comes up short. Uh, we would love to see him engage in this kind of imagination and chesed that we see in Avraham, But yet, I, I don't want to dismiss Noach quite so quickly in understanding him. I think we we owe it we owe it to him to take another look. And if we go back to source number six, um, the back to the beginning of Parshat Noach. Uh, we notice something surprising, and this is very perplexing to a lot of the commentaries. Eile toldot Noach, Noach ish tzadik, tamim um, haya bedorotav, et ha'elohim hitalech Noach. First of all, even before Avraham, the word tzedek is applied, justice, or, or righteousness, is applied to a Biblical character. In fact, Noach is called a tzadik, while Avraham never is. Um, he seems to have lived the life of a tzaddik before God ever calls on Abraham to pervade tzaddik in the world. In addition, Noah achieves the status of tamim. Notice the past tense, tamid haya. He's already tamim, perfect. Before God is going to instruct Avraham, um, in, in chapter 17, we don't, don't have this on your sources, but in chapter 17, God is going to say to Avraham, heye tamim, be be pure he he hasn't done it yet but god has to call upon him to make that effort um, in addition etha elohim hitalech noach noach walks with god where the, the, in that verse as well in chapter 17 he's going to say hitalech lefanai god is going was going to um, command abraham to walk before him it seems that noach is a, is a bit of a self starter he figures out on his own Without any help around him, how to, he figures out how to be a tzaddik, how to be tamim, how to walk with God. It seemed, This seems to point to an, a great internal wholeness and strength, where it might even surpass Avraham, who needs instruction, but yet Noach does this entirely on his own. Um, and in search of further evidence that Avraham may, may have had something to learn from Noach, and not just the other way around, I think it's worth going back to that pesky qualifier, bidorotav, which Rashi sees as a negative. Noach doesn't live up to his full potential. He's a tzaddik only if we grade him on a curve of the evil humanity that surrounds him. But I think it's important to note that this extra word can suggest the opposite. And in fact, Ramban and others suggest that the word bedoratav is not there to qualify, but to emphasize we the reader are called upon to remark how difficult must it have been to remain at tzaddik in those uniformly evil t- evil times and rah, right imagine what it must have been to take to be a tzaddik tamim in, in, in a in a in a world where everyone is only evil and traditionally, we praise Avraham for his iconoclasm, for his heroic resistance to his idolatrous surroundings. And the Midrash embellishes this, the young monotheist who faces the fiery furnace to uphold his truth. He's called Avraham Ha'ivri. He's on one side, everybody else conventional wisdom and practices on the other side. But none of that is in the text. There's no story like that about Avraham, which with Noah, it actually is. Uh, the, the, uh, Noach as an iconoclast, iconoclast, as a hero, is there explicitly. Everyone is evil, and he is a tzaddik. We might even say that well before Abraham, Noach is an ivri, someone who stands apart and remains loyal to his own truths. So, although as we have seen in many ways, Noach does not measure up to Abraham in this one way, it seems that not only does he measure up, but he actually outshines him. And I would say that all in all, Noah seems to be a pre-Avraham figure who is complex and flawed. And as such, maybe he's even a more relatable figure an appropriate progenitor of the world that we actually inhabit. A kind of new Adam, a new Adam. Um, and Noah, it is important and significant to point out, comes exactly 10 generations after the original Adam, um, right? Like many of us, Noach digs in secure in his own sense of being right, Um, Tzedek, right, he's often judging others solely on the merits of what they say and what they do. Um, Like many of us, he stops short of extending a hand or even truly seeing what Emma Lazarus calls the wretched refuse, those who fail to measure up, whether it's due to life circumstances or perhaps even to their own bad choices. Um, And in his prioritizing justice over kindness, Noach is a realistic symbol of the way human beings tend to be. Um, but beyond this, I think Noah also faithfully represents us by seeking escape in response to overwhelming difficulty and trauma. Um, in his case, he seeks an unhealthy self-destructive escape through alcohol at the end of his uh, end of his story. Um, and although it's hard to relate to the destruction of an entire world, I can relate on some level through the past year and a half of this pandemic, I, our global trauma, um, and my anecdotal research has uncovered that many of us, I won't name any names, but have sought escape through various means, um, some healthier than others, binging of all types, food, social media, Netflix, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but I would say that in these and in other ways, Noach, like so much of humanity, is limited, it's flawed, is good enough, but certainly not great. But, and I'll i will leave you with this last thought, in our compa- comparison between Noach and Abraham, we also saw flashes of greatness in Noach, and it, maybe it's precisely because of his strict adherence to justice that Noach is able to heroically resist the pressures of his age, to maintain his integrity, to hold on to his deepest truths. Um, and despite his many shortcomings, especially in relation to the chesed-seeking Avraham, Noach shows us what it means to be a tzaddik bedorotav be it Sadiq, be a righteous person in his generation, or I might even add in ours. today's world, many of us can relate to the notion of social pressures, uh, whether they're ideological, religious, political, right, that pull us at every turn, in every post, every blog, toward joining the echo chamber, toward conformity, toward being accepted, toward being liked. And I think the figure of Noach reminds us that even if we're not always paragons of chesed, and even if sometimes we have trouble coping with life's great challenges, we also have the power to think independently, to resist every form of pressure, to be conscious-driven ivrim, who stand apart and who, who listen to the inner voice of our own ideals and our own conscience. Uh, Noach is sandwiched in between Adam and Avraham, separated by each by ten generations. Uh, with the traits he shares with Abraham and with the traits that fall short of Abraham, Noach, I would say, is a very appropriate candidate to be the new Adam, who ushers in the creation of the world, the world that we actually live in.
0: And now, a brief message from Pardes alumnus Jason Gustorf. I'd like to thank Pardes and all of my wonderful teachers, including Judy Klitzner, who helped inspire my music. This is a song I wrote called Watchmen of the Temple. You can find my music on Spotify and Apple Music. Oh Watchmen of the Temple, where have you gone today? Reading your words in this world we have made Help me to return to the place where we belong On rivers moving east, hands lifted in song So I'm leaving tomorrow, I'll find a different way Off to a better land where hands are free to pray And I won't come back and drift away Like leaves in the wind like minutes in the day. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. You can also visit elmod.pardes.org. Be sure to tune in next week as Yiska Smith teaches on Parashat Lech Lechat.